Daniel, last week was the MMA Report Bowl. Congratulations on winning the MMA Report Bowl last week. I figured that was probably about the best way to start this show off of giving a little kudos for your Texans getting the win uh, last Sunday. Man, that was honestly the best game of the year. Like, I haven't watched every NFL game this year, but I think both me and you thought we had each won that game about two to three different times. It was back and forth. It was crazy. I, I can't believe the Texans still won. There's a part of me that feels like this is a simulation, that the Texans were able to drive down the field with 40-some seconds left and win. That just doesn't happen to my favorite football team. We, we screwed things up. But, uh, Jason, congratulations on a hell of a game. That was honestly, when we look back at this season, that was one of the best games of the year, no doubt about it. But let's see if it's a dream situation. Let's see if I get all my fight predictions right and I actually am in a dream because uh, – I'll be the true test. The one thing I I noticed, and and I'll say this for you you being a Texans fan and any Texans fans who's listening to our podcast, I've, you know, look, I've been around the NFL in broadcasting for 20 years now. It it looks like CJ Stroud, you've got your franchise quarterback that that you've been looking for. But I'll say this, like, D'Amico Ryan's, dude shows no emotion on the sidelines. Like, dude is like Alex Brahea. Can he smile? Yeah, yeah. He's 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 an old school linebacker, Jason. You know, that's what it looks like when you got an old-school, defensive, hard-nosed football player as the head of your football team. He looks like he's ready to get on the field for the next snap. And uh, it's, 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 it's a dream situation. So if you are a fan of a sports team and things aren't going good, they aren't looking like they're going good, just know right around the corner when you least expect it, things could take a turn. I did not expect the Texans to be where we're at today. You know, we couldn't even tank right. We uh, last year, for those who are unaware, we were going to get the first pick. And then our coach went crazy and, and won us a game in Indianapolis that we should not have won. And we got the second pick. So we did not have the pick of the quarterbacks. Turned out to work great for the Texans. So if you're a fan of an NBA team, of an MLB team, of an NHL team, of an NFL team, things aren't looking too good. Just know when you least expect it, you could end up becoming a, I don't know a World Series champion like the Texas Rangers. So uh, things are looking great for your boy. I, I mean, don't talk to me about the Texas A&M Aggies. Things are going great for you and your Seminoles, no <laughs> doubt about it. And I know you're going to be really busy around January time. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm, feel, I'm feeling great. Uh, I'm Yeah, I'm certainly hoping that uh, – Potentially, I'll be in New Orleans on January 1 uh, for the national, the national semifinal games. Because I would imagine if, if FSU gets there, they'd probably be playing in New Orleans. But I, I'll tell you this. I had a good time on, on Saturday night. Uh, thankfully, man, our flight was not delayed. So I uh, got to Houston. And, uh, you know, me and my crew, one of the things that we, we love to do is we, lo- we love to play darts. I mean, I, I, I it actually, it kind of made me think about it. I saw a post you had on your social media where, you know, you, you had a post where you were getting back into wrestling training after you, the injury that you had with your hand there, you know, and talk about, hey, you know, you can't take things for granted in life. And, you know, it makes me think like, you know, during the COVID times when everything was shut down, I, mean, I couldn't go out on a Friday night and throw darts. And like, that's my thing. Like, you know, to me, like, I mean, pretty much every Friday night, it's me and my boys, we're going out, we're throwing some darts. It's just like, that's, that's my vice. I mean, of course, obviously there's some, as you like to say, some daddy sodas involved in throwing the darts, but like, yeah. And we, we fall in this place and uh, ends up there having a dart tournament that night. And uh, so we, we get into the dart. I'm not a big 501 player. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a cricket type player. 
But we got in the tournament, so it was, it was a good time. It was a fun time, and uh, yeah, always good. I've always had a good time in Houston, man. I've, I've always always enjoyed it. We had there was like this little hamburger wing place next to it. We just got a plethora of food. I mean, literally just went in there and just, I mean, ordered a crap ton of food. <laughs> you put the kitchen to work. The kitchen had to probably go out back kill a couple more chickens just to fill your order. I like oh. that. What's the what's you got to tell me? You got to tell me because I mean, not everyone is a darts expert. What's the difference between 501 and, and a cricket? To, to the best of my knowledge, a 501 is like a tax form, and cricket's a sport that's really popular in the other part of the world. So 501 is you start at 501 points, and you're trying to work your way down to zero. In this particular tournament, to win the game, so like, let, let's just say you have 20 points left. You had to double out, so you had to hit a double 10 to get out of the game. Cricket is you're trying to close out 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, and then bullseyes. Uh, I'm more of a, definitely more of a cricket player. That's kind of my game. It's, it's, there's, a lot of, there's a little more strategy to it. I feel like anyone can play 501, 301, 701, 901. Anyone can play that. You, you got to have some kind of skill to win at cricket. So, like, that's, it, to me, like, you know, we're, we're recording this here on Thursday afternoon, tomorrow night. I'll be hitting up one of my local spots, and, uh, yeah, I'll be throwing some darts tomorrow night. That's, that's, you know, that's that's what I do. Love it, love it. And for me, this weekend, you know, I had two pro wrestling shows I was going to attend and help out with, but uh, they both are canceled because of weather. So, your boy is free for this Saturday's pay-per-view. I'm going to have some Maybe one or two friends over at my apartment. You know, I'm going to be cleaning it up. Can't really see. Uh, I can't even get out of the way and show you. But uh, I'm excited to maybe have some friends over and see what they think. So uh, it's, it's a good time. So I think the other thing is, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a shut-in, you're always in uh, indoors doing the same thing. Hey, man, go out there, reach out to your friends, and, and do something. Because those moments, don't take them for granted. Your friends won't always be there. We're all going to get old if we're lucky and, and you know – do family stuff so whenever you have like if i ever have a kid which i probably will i feel like most of my time will be revolved around making sure he doesn't you know go to school with his pants full of poop or something so i'm sure that'll take a lot of my time so i have some free time now and yeah i want to hang out with my friends so i mean this i I don't know if this is a good pay-per-view to have my friends over there isn't a lot of marketable fights it is an msg but i'm going to make sure it's a good spread i'm going to make sure we get some good chicken wings I'm going to make sure the fridge is, is stocked with some daddy sodas. I will say this, and we're going to get a UFC 295 here in a little bit. I, I think, for me, my top three fights are very clear. Obviously, one, two, you know, main event and, and co-main event. Uh, my third one, I'll tell you right now, I, I think it's Matt Favola versus Vinal St. Denis. I think that's the third best fight on the card. Uh, but some interesting matchup. We'll talk about UFC 295. We'll give away our best bets. As uh, I was going through over at Best Fight Oz, trying to come up with some uh, some juicy lines over there, things I think could come through. Uh, also, who knows what else we might get into. But really where I want to start, Daniel – is some fight bookings that have come out. And before we get into the UFC fight bookings, because obviously they've made some noble fight bookings with these upcoming pay-per-views coming up here in January, February, and March, is to me, it's looking at the PFL fight announcement that came down this week. And it's not just the fact that we had a fight change. To me, it's about the wording in this press conference and in this press release from the PFL, where it says Kayla Harrison to face Aspen Ladd at the 2023 PFL World Championships. Harrison to face Ladd at a 150-pound catchweight. Now, of course, Asp- uh, initially, Julia Budd was going to take on Kayla Harrison. And to me, what was ske- what was very interesting about this, and to me, this is something that covering the sport, 
I don't think I've ever seen this in a press release where it says the change was made after Bud refused to fulfill her contractual obligations. I That to me is kind of just an odd one. Uh, I did see five days ago. Julia Budd posted her training, you know, said 20 days out. Looks like she, she's ready to go. I just thought that was kind of interesting. I did see Ali Abdelaziz, who represents Kayla Harrison, mention that uh, Julia Budd did not want to fight. Who knows what happened there? But this also, Daniel, to me, is one of those situations that sometimes happens in these type of fights where a fighter is no longer fighting we actually get a better fight. And that, to me, for the PFL, is I think they got a better fight with Aspen Laz stepping up here than what we were initially going to see with Kayla and Julia Budd. I think we got ourselves a finish versus a decision is what I think we got ourselves here. The thing with Julia Budd is I've seen her fight her entire career, and she just is one of the more boring fighters I've ever seen fight. It's as simple as that. Aspen Ladd isn't crime Chris Lieben, right? Um, she's not a highlight real fighter. But she's a passable, somewhat entertaining fighter, depending on the circumstance. I think Julia Budd versus Kayla Harrison is a tougher fight for Kayla. But I think it'll be a tougher fight for the viewers. I think that'll just be kind of a 15-minute decision. I'm very interested to see what the situation was because, again, Julia was training. So it would be good to hear her perspective. But, yeah, I've never seen that in a press release. Maybe in a tweet from Dana White or a post-fight press conference comment or something yeah. like that, something a little more not uh, like a less professional setting, but the professional setting of a press release where you sit behind a keyboard and you put the proper header and logo, that's unusual. Um, yeah, this is a more interesting fight. This is a fight I'm more confident Kayla Harrison will win, and Jason is a fight I'm, I'm – more confident will be a finish. I guess the, the 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 flip side is I'm excited to see Kayla fight again, but we waited this long for Kayla to come back for this fight. This is the one we waited this long for. Kayla versus Aspen Lad. Is it a super fight? It is called a showcase fight. Well, that's true. To me, what's the interesting part about this is, so she will be the one, two, three, she will be the fourth fight on the pay-per-view. By the way, this has got seven fights on the pay-per-view, Daniel. Six of these seven fights are scheduled for 25 minutes. How long could that theoretically go if everything went 25 minutes? Would that be um, a five-hour broad pay-per-view broadcast? And. Uh, and God knows how much how much uh, content will be about you know these pre-fight packages to kind of help you know you know start the introduction of each one of these fighters when you're talking about the PFL. Of course, you know the one thing I did look at is I was like, okay, I'm, I'm scrolling down the press release. But, uh, okay, we still have no price point. I'm I'm fascinated of what this price point of this pay per view can be because I think if it's priced right. I think the PFL has a, a decent chance to get a decent, I mean, I mean, not a huge buy, just a, a nice buy rate. But, you know, my guess is, if I was going to predict, i say it's $49.99. I think if it's more than that, it's going to be a really tough sell for the PFL. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just, it's hard to get into that 50 buck range for a pay-per-view that isn't full of stars and star making it's basically hard to pay that much money for an MMA card that isn't labeled UFC, basically, at this point. No other brand has built that reputation to justify the price point. 
And what you're going to really need is a superstar fight, maybe involving Nate Diaz to, to, to get that price point across. Or Jake Paul, for instance. He has the name value to justify that type of price point. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I have a feeling it's going to be in the 40s. I have a feeling it'll be similar to the last pay-per-view. Maybe if they put Francis Ngannou on it, it'll do 400,000 buys. Dude. <laughs> I, I, lo- I Look, Ariel is the best in this business, but... I mean, the pay-per-view bombed in the United States. Let's just call it what it is. The pay-per-view bombed the United States. Getting 56,000 pay-per-view buys in the United States, that I don't know how anyone can try to defend that. And, and I think that's also very much of a sign of how beneficial those three letters in our industry are. If you're not fighting on a UFC pay-per-view, it is a uphill battle to sell pay-per-views. Like, I mean, you can sit there and tell me, well, worldwide, this is what it did. But here in the United States, it didn't do well. And, and that's why, I mean, like, I wasn't trying to be a hater or Debbie Downer. I tried to tell people who had any of this pay-per-view, like, I've, from my personal experience, as someone who's part of a management team that airs UFC pay-per-views, I never saw Francis Ngannou as a star. You know, yes, he was the baddest man on the planet. He was a heavyweight champion, but he didn't bring that type of person into a restaurant bar atmosphere. Now, I will say this, the bar I was at did have a decent crowd for this pay-per-view, but I think a lot of that also was because the bar that I'm at is where the Tampa Knoll Club goes. So it had a big audience there already. A lot of people just kind of stayed over. But, I mean, I, I just think it's an example of how tough it is in this industry. You know, it, for the PFL, I mean, obviously, you know, whenever they do that first pay of view, Jake Paul's going to be on it. Francis Ngannou's going to be on it. I still think it's going to be an uphill battle for them to sell that. Yeah, it, it's tough. The toughest part of these types of discussions is the lack of true transparency on pay-per-view buy rates. It's all reporting. It's all hit or miss. It's all looking at different variables and measurements. It's not a lot of exact things. You get exact numbers with this topic whenever we're talking about lawsuits. So that's a very long time, you know, until we get a lawsuit and we get it on record. So that's why it's tough to have this conversation and be incredibly knowledgeable about it. I will say that it did seem like it was a water cooler discussion, this, this boxing matchup. People were talking more about this boxing matchup than I think people will be talking about this upcoming UFC pay-per-view on Saturday. So there is that. That's the one measurement I can look at. Of how often are people talking about this online? How many people in my real life saw it? And it seemed like it was high. I just don't know how many people bought it. I feel like maybe a lot of people were... How many people illegally streamed it? Yeah, or... Just glean the information from social media. Dude, Just saw all the highlights. I have found, like, it's crazy, like, on a fight night of a pay-per-view. I, if I'm just scrolling, like, TikTok, I'll see there's people streaming it on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's easy. There's a million different platforms to illegally get content, no doubt about it. And, and again, this is one where I don't even know if people illegally streamed it as much as just saw it on Twitter and then had an opinion about it. Yeah, by the way, I'm still calling bullshit on Dana White saying he didn't watch this fight. I'm calling bullshit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you know the smiley face emoji was saved in the drafts. You already know it was. Yeah, he's spy- he can be spiteful, so there's no doubt about it. Like, I don't know if he was scouting power slap competitors, but absolutely the fight was on one of his telephones. 
I had to laugh. I did see a power slap clip come up. I want to say it was either on my IG or TikTok, and it was a female um, matchup where one girl slaps the other one, and then she just smiles at her after she gets hit. Beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. But by the way, speaking of Dana White, he did make some announcements uh, this week with uh, some upcoming UFC pay-per-views. Volkanovski, Taporia, headline UFC 298. O'Malley Vera, UFC 299. And Strickland Duplessis, 297. Also, uh, the main event for UFC Shanghai was announced. That would be Song Yudong versus Chris Gutierrez. And, you know, where to me... I think where it really starts here, Daniel, I'll just kind of give some quick thoughts from me and I'll let you get your thoughts out there. Strickland versus Duplessis, maybe that, you know, I, I, as to me, you went the right route there um, with not going Shemaev and, and fast-tracking him in here. I think they made the right call going Duplessis. O'Malley Vera, I think that is a very smart move by the UFC. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily sit back and say that Marlon Vera is the most deserving of a title shot at 135 pounds, but I think it's the right matchup for the UFC to make there. Uh, Volkanovski to Poria, of course, we knew that was initially going to take place in January. Of course, that the January pay-per-view is going to be in Toronto, I want to say it's January 20th. I want to say is when they put that one. I don't think they've announced the location uh, for UFC 298 yet. But like uh, when I look at all those fights, I mean, if you if I if I said power rank them, Volkanovski Taporo would probably be number one for me. Two would probably be Strickland Duplessis, and three O'Malley Vera. Man, they're all pretty good fights. You're picking this when you're picking out which one's your most interesting one, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna flip DD. P and Strickland with the O'Malley and Verify, and that'll be my top three. But honestly, they're all three really good fights. Volkanovski's coming back off that loss, and he's taking on a guy in Taporia who's just run through everybody. So it's a great matchup. It's exciting. O'Malley and Vera is something that promises to be an exciting fight with a great story heading into it, and the type of fight where Sean's favored. DDP Strickland is another one. Where Strickland, you know, he's getting into these shoes as a champion. So let's see what a champion like Sean looks like. And uh, his stand-up obviously looked phenomenal against Izzy Adesanya. I think it's going to look really good against DDP. I think it's going to be a matter of getting out of the way of the power shots of of DDP. And and now DDP's cardio has improved to look really good in three rounds. How does it look in five? That's a thing that will probably get tested. My biggest takeaway is I really, as a mixed martial arts fan. I truly believe Marab Dalashvili should have got the championship opportunity. I truly believe Marab is the best 135er in the world. Wow, I understand why the UFC made the Vera O'Malley fight. Here, here's the interesting thing when you talk about best 135er in the world. We got, you know, to me, a candidate for that fighting next week. And who knows whether it's the last Bellator event uh, that we ever see. Patchy Mix. Sergio Pettis, like I, if you told me Patchy Mix was in the UFC tomorrow, I think he's definitely top five. Yeah, he's he's an incredible talent too, and Sergio isn't too far off. I mean, that's a top ten bantamweight in the world. It's a it's a great fight and, and a fitting last a fitting last belt man. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was actually just gonna pull up that card because I was thinking about that when I was getting ready for today's show, and I was like, man, like next week is. 
I, obviously, the the what we expect to be the last Bellator event of this current management uh, company here. But I mean, it's it's a really nice fight car when you look at. It. You got Amosov and Jackson as your main event. Of course, uh, Yaroslav Amosov defending his 170 pound title. Of course, Apache Mix and Sergio Pez there unifying the 135 pound title. Also, you got the continuation of the lightweight tournament. Tricky Pitbull, Alexander Shalby, also Rafian Stotts versus Danny Sabatello. Uh, I did see a headline. I didn't read the article, but I guess um, Rafian Stotts talked about he uh, he passed out during his weight cut um, for his last matchup there. Uh, AJ McKee, Sidney Owl, that's a big matchup there at 155 pounds. Uh, a loaded up fight card. I There's just too many fights for me to count here. I think, I think there's like 17 or 18 fights on this card. They really should just call this one Bellator 300. Uh, I, I just have my OCD is going is, – is the fact that they're going to end on Bellator 301 and not 300 pisses me off. This should be like like the old school UFC. It should be 300.5. Um, I'm I'm certainly way more excited for Bell, for Bellator 301 than Bellator 300. You know, if there's a if there's a sale made to the PFL, when do you anticipate that news to break? Will it be the day of the event during the broadcast, after the broadcast, the week of the event, five minutes after we're done recording this? When would you anticipate that type of news to drop? Oh, if I'm power ranking, it's five minutes after we get done recording. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, I would, I would think that if this deal is going to get done, it, it somehow gets it done uh, announced next week. I mean, th- there's some rumblings I've heard that, um, you know, the Bellator brand may not be going away, uh, and which I think is actually probably a smart decision if you're the PFL because it, it kind of allows you to kind of continue with you, which your format is for PFL, but also I think a way for them to get a lot of fighters fights, and, and I think that's one of the problems when you see with the PFL and, and Ray Cooper III is a perfect example of this where Ray Cooper III is like, I'm not cutting to 170 anymore, I'm an 85er and he's basically sat on the sidelines all year, he does fight uh, on the PFL championships against Derek Brunson, but I think that's where it could be a, a really big benefit to PFL. I mean, obviously, if you're PFL, you're trying to get the right deal. You know, you don't want to find yourself in, in a bad deal, but I got to imagine this thing's going to be uh, announced here uh, pretty soon here. But, uh, you know, th- those are some of the, the fight bookings that have been announced uh, over the past couple of days. I'm sure once we get done recording the show, good knows, they'll probably announce 10 other fights. And, uh, you know, but uh, that, that's just kind of the way it works here on the podcast. We get done recording by the time the thing gets posted. Uh, yeah, something news breaks. But, of course, this is uh, UFC 295 week. And, you know, Daniel, I've got three major questions about UFC 295. And the first question, uh, I got to tell you, I stole from the podcast, flat out. I was listening to Anik and Foreign Podcast earlier this week, and I heard John Anik bring up this question to Ray Longo, and I even text you. I thought that was a fascinating question, and the question was, who are you most confident will walk away with the victory in the title fights? And as I heard it, and Ray Longo's answer kind of surprised me, but I guess really doesn't really surprise me. His answer was Sergey Pavlovich, and you know, and I've seen a lot of smart people this week who are on Sergey Pavlovich, and, and I think they bring up a lot of great reasons, but like it's one of those questions that you hear and you're just like, hmm, like I feel like you could make a case for all four of these fighters. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at the betting odds. These are basically even odds types of fights. There's so many question marks for these fighters. There's so many great things going for these fighters. I mean, the fighter with the least amount of question marks in terms of like coming back from injury or previous performances is Sergey Pavlovich. He is the most known commodity heading into November of uh, 2023 with Alex. You look at him and I think the big question is simply, well, 
we've only seen him fight 10 times as a professional mixed martial artist. That's kind of your big question for him. This is also his second fight of light heavyweight in the UFC. For Aspinall and Prohaska, I mean, for Aspinall, this is his second fight back from the injury. For Prohaska, this is his first fight back from the injury. For Sergey, this is his first fight back since kicking ass and taking names. So I get it. I'm probably most confident in Alex Pereira, though. If I, if I had to pick one, I think the reason being is I think the fight with Yuri is going to play out where he wants it on the feet. And I think Alex is just simply better. That is where he made his money. He's an amazing, amazing striker. I don't know if Yuri's going to come out here and attempt to wrestle with the dude. I know Yuri's an absolute grizzly bear in the clinch. But the guy I'm most confident in is Alex Pereira because Tom Aspinall has some interesting things he can provide from a wrestling slash grappling standpoint versus Sergey. And I just have more confidence that the Alex side is going to play out where he wants it. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the main event, I mean, my thoughts about Alex is, you know, I probably have a little bit more questions about Yuri, okay? You're coming back from a very notable injury. You're talking about a shoulder injury that, if you remember, when he got injured, Dana White saw about this guy might retire because it's that bad. So how does he bounce back from that? Also, he can be a little bit of a wild man in there and leave a lot of openings, which you're going up against a you know a world champion kickboxer. You don't want to give you that type of openings, um, you know. But of course, you do expect the Yuri to have a you know maybe not have a size advantage, but we'll see. I mean, I it's one of these things where I think that fight goes a little longer than people think. If you tell me that fight hits a third round, really wouldn't be surprised. It hits a fourth round. Really wouldn't be surprised. Looking at the heavyweight fight with Pavlovich and Aspinall, I think one of the questions you have with Aspinall, and you bring up some great points about the grappling and wrestling advantage that he has in the matchup, to me it's about, well, what happens if this fight hits minute seven, minute eight, minute nine, minute ten? Does he have that cardio to go in there? And also, Sergey Pavlovich was already in basically essentially a training camp because he was going to be the backup fighter for Jones versus Miocic. So, like, out of these four guys, I think I probably agree with Ray Longo that Sergey Pavlovich I feel the most confident in. But, I mean, look, it will not surprise me if Tom Aspinall walks out as the interim heavyweight champion, or if Yuri Bahaska regains the light heavyweight title. And then, of course, I think the question really becomes is, then what becomes next for the light heavyweight title? Does Jamal Hill, is he healthy enough to get right back in there, potentially get in there? Could it be someone else? I mean, obviously, Anthony Smith would like to get that opportunity. I mean, I think Jamal Hill would be the, the rightful guy there. And, you know, one of the, the other questions I have is, and it's related to the co-main event, is Dana White's already come out and said, we're doing Jones-Miocic regardless. That is a fight that we're going to do. My question is, will the winner of the co-main event of UFC 295 ever face the winner of Jones versus Miocic? Are both guys just going to retire after they do their fight? Would it shock you? No, it wouldn't shock me at all. Um, We're just going to have two heavyweight champions. If you have two, it means you have none. This There's an interim championship on the line, but neither of them matter. I, I can't even put my mind around the light heavyweight championship picture. We've had about like 14 different champions in the past two years and 17 different interim titles. I think they just got to do a tournament, but they really got to do the winner versus Jamal Hill to establish an undisputed light heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. And to establish an undisputed heavyweight champion – 
the winner of this fight has to fight the winner of Jones and Miocic. I mean, as we stand here and talk today, John Jones is the undisputed UFC heavyweight champion in my mind, no doubt about it. There's some dispute. Yuri had to give up his undisputed championship, and then Jamal won it. So there's some dispute here, and this is a very valid interim light heavyweight championship matchup. Um, I don't know, man. I I think we're due for a special Saturday. I think the venue is going to bring out okay. the specialness, you know, and Madison Square Garden. This is a very underwhelming Madison Square Garden pay-per-view, right? The biggest name on this show is probably Alex Pereira, and he's not a major mixed martial arts name. I mean, he pales in comparison to even someone like Francis Ngannou's name value, and he's the biggest name on this pay-per-view. So when it's underwhelming, usually that's when the UFC over delivers. And I have a feeling we're in store for a really, really epic main event, co-main event situation here. Like you mentioned about having friends over to watch these fights, I feel like the top two fights have a a good possibility they're going to deliver and you know be action packed. You think the way they could go, you know, I mean, both these fights could very easily end in round one. The way these two guys, the way these four guys fight, I mean. I will tell you this, as of we sit here on a Thursday afternoon, my picks are very subject to change. But to me, I'm picking Alex Bahay in the main event. I'm picking Sergey Pavlovich in the co-main event. Yeah, we have the exact same picks. We do. And I think both guys get finishes. I think for Pahaya, it's more of a TKO-type finish. And for Pavlovich, I think it's a straight knockout. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. You know, my, my third question is, you know, outside of the title fights, what are the fighter fights that interest us the most? And to me, that that question, that answer for me starts Matt Favola versus Benoit Saint-Denis. Um, I, I think that's the third best fight on this car. But then there's other ones like the Jessica Andrade, McKenzie Dern. I mean, it's kind of you, you're hearing both of these ladies talking about what is going on outside of their fighting lifestyles. Jessica Andrade talked about the reason she's fought five times in 2023 is paying off a divorce. McKenzie Dern talked about the same thing and you know, she's paying off her divorce. But then there's some other fires that are, are intriguing to me. You know, I, I look at someone like a, a Steve Ursag, uh, a flyweight there. Uh, another one, I look at uh, Rebecca taking on Roosevelt Roberts. Roberts getting back into the UFC, stepping up on, on short nose to take this one. I think the Castaneda Kung Ho Kang could be a, a fun little fight there. The third fight on, on the prelims. You know, there are some fighters that I really do like that I think are going to go out there and look good. I think Joel Emmers will look good against Dennis Bazooka. Um, you know, Slava Claus and Sadikov fight, I think, is another one that interests me. I mean, I think overall, like, you bring up the great point. While outside of the main event, co-main event, you don't have that those big notable names that I think people will recognize. I think overall this is a fairly deep UFC card. I would say, yeah, it is. It it is in terms of like, these are just quality fights. There's not a lot of high level preliminary type fights, but it's a lot of good meat and potatoes. This is a solid UFC fight with either one or two interesting names for your hardcore MMA fan. Um, I think Favola BSD is a pretty solid pick, and it's probably the correct answer. If I was going to differ, I would say my number three fight is is the one also on the pay-per-view that we haven't talked about, uh, Diego Lopez and Pat Sabatini. I mean, Lopez really impressed me in his debut in a losing fashion. You know, that was about as impressive at as a loss as it could have been, and he showed that the loss wasn't deceiving. He came back. Put away Gavin Tucker fairly easily. Pat Sabatini 
talented featherweight. I think Lopez Sabatini, that's my number three fight in the featherweight division. The only thing about that is where I could see where Sabatini takes him down and we just have a lot of guard play and it may not be the most exciting thing in the world. I, I could see where that potentially happens. I mean, I think Diego Lopez might try to, you know, might, you know, have a couple of submissions off his back saying if that's the way the fight goes. But I could there there's a, a path to where I see that fight is not exactly the most exciting. Yeah, I could I you you're right about that. Pat can be a boring wrestler. That's true. That's true. I think the thing with Diego is he is very active. He is very reactive, and he keeps things interesting. So I hope he turns the tide. But, yeah, and then Derna Andrade, I mean, God, Andrade needs a win bad. She desperately needs a win. She has looked so, so bad in her last three fights. Granted, she's fought three of the best fighters in the weight class, and she doesn't get it, it doesn't get any easier against Mackenzie Dern. Dern looked good against Angela Hill. Dern has continued to improve. I mean, I think this is a fight for Dern to look good. And Andras has just been fed to the Lions time and again in this weight class. She really has. I mean, it's just been – she has not been given a break. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. You know, she comes in with this three-fight losing streak. But the fact is, her last win did come back in January, which she absolutely annihilated Laura Murphy. And I think as a lot of us are watching, saying, man, is someone in the corner going to throw the talent for Laura Murphy? But you, you mentioned about I mean, she's lost to the top of this division, Aaron Blanchfield, Jan Yanan, Tatiana Suarez. And you look at Mackenzie Dern, and it wasn't that long ago with Mackenzie that the, the narrative out there was about, you know, kind of, you know, she had gone around to a couple of gyms. There, there was the weigh-in issues that she had at one point. She's really cleaned all that up. And, you know, she's uh, she's coming off a win against Angela Hill. But, you know, she gets a win here. She puts herself right in great position in this division. Yeah, yeah. She, with the win here, she could really get a championship opportunity. I mean, she's the type of fighter that the UFC would just force to the championship fight, have let her skip the line. She has that marketability and that name value, and she's been positioned that way. So as soon as she puts together two quality wins in a row, she's probably fighting for a title. So that's kind of what's on the line there for Dern. Yeah, I mean, I think the one the one that kind of becomes interesting is Tatiana Suarez. Does she fight at 115? Does she fight at 125? I, I know there was a, a note that I want to say the UFC kind of basically uh, told her, say, hey, we, we know what division you want to be. Are you a 115 or are you a 125? Because obviously, uh, you know, she is a fighter that no matter what division she likes to fight in, if you told me her next fight is for the title, that would not shock me. She's certainly done more to deserve a championship fight than Darren. There's no doubt. Absolutely, Jason. I, I, I think, yeah, if it's in that way, class, then Dern's going to have to sit back and wait. But first, she's got to get past Andrade. And, you yeah. know, Andrade is a tough matchup for Dern. She really is. I mean, they got to favor Jessica on the feet. And Andrade is a hell of a strong grappler. Dern's a much better grappler. But, you know, Josh is going to put a two-piece on you. Yeah, I mean, I, I just pulled up the, the UFC rankings, and if you look at uh, at 115, uh, Dern is currently ranked 7th, where Jessica Andrade is ranked 5th, of course, ahead of uh, Andrade. you got Amanda Lemos, Tatiana Suarez, Jan Janan, and Carla Esparza. Um, then, of course, when you look over at Flyweight, uh, you know, you look at the top of that division there, you got, of course, Blanchfield and Shevchenko and, of course, Grosso, and, and we'll see when uh, that title's going to be back on the line there, and... Uh, I would say this. I really never pay attention to UFC rankings. Kind of, kind of interesting that uh, I guess maybe it should be surprised that Grosso's number one women's pound for pound over uh, Whaley. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think if you told me who's the better fighter, it would be Whaley. I think she has more of a track record of dominance and uh, looking good. So that is surprising. But, I mean, look, I mean, Grasso went out there and beat Shevchenko one time and, you know, fought her close the second time. So it's tough. I mean, Shevchenko is the, the more reputable singular name, but I think Whaley has had more quality wins uh, over a longer period of time. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just kind of just looking through these rankings and uh, kind of interesting. Jolton Almeida now is at seven. Um, got to got to got to work on that ground pound a little bit more, Jolton. Uh, just, yeah, when you get in that, that dominant fire. position, man, you got to you got to finish that fight when you're in that that dominant <laughs> position. You look over light heavyweight. You got Ankle Ivis sitting there, of course. Jamal Hill. Uh, the UFC still on the on the uh, rankings webpage still lists Jamal Hill as as a champion. Um, see, any, uh, is there been any other major movement? Uh, by the way, Islam Mahachev jumped John Jones for pound for pound. Yeah, he beat Volkanovski. John Jones is basically almost retired. Yeah, but Jones also been a champion in two different weight classes. I think that kind of takes precedent. That, that that's for me at least. But obviously, I understand uh, people are going to have their their asterisk next to him. It's a recency bias too. Recency bias situation. You know, John was going to fight this Saturday, and if he was going to beat Stipe. He would have gone right back up of Islam. Let, I, mean, I mean, let's just be honest about the legacy fight. I didn't, I didn't realize until when the fight announcement got made that that Jones was out. I had forgot. I mean, Stipe's in his forties now. I know, I know. Yeah, he's not a spring chicken. He's not a spring chicken. And I think what the loss he's done. He's forty-one years old. He's always had a life outside of mixed martial arts. And if you're Stipe, you've been a heavyweight champion before. I mean, what more is there to do? And, man, it's been a very long freaking time since he's competed. Who knows what the hell he's going to look like? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, and like we mentioned about the question of, you know, will the winner of the co-main event ever potentially face the winner of Jones versus Miocic? And I just got to feel like if you're Miocic and you go out and you beat John Jones, like – and you're at the age you're at. I mean, I'm sure the you know the body has got the has got the miles on it. Like, like to me, that'd be the perfect way to end your career. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it's going to really come down to whether or not one of these two guys gets elevated from a name value standpoint from this pay per view. If Pavlovich or Aspinall become marketable with the win here, I think Jones will take that fight. If Pavlovich runs through Aspinall but doesn't really gain much name value, I think Jones is going to be like, why the hell am I taking that fight? You know? I feel like if you tell me one guy's going to get Jones more interested, I, I, I kind of feel like it's Aspinall. Oh, he's, he's way more marketable. Put the fight in England. Put it in a football stadium. Mm-hmm. Put, Put it in the spear. Lovely. Put it in the spear. <laughs> Everything has to be in the spear. I, we'll see. I, I feel like the thing about the spear, I could be wrong about this. In fact, I may be wrong about this. But I feel like it's not that interesting from like a I'm on my couch watching a show standpoint. It could be. But like as a, as a TV consumer, do I really care that the people in the crowd can see the ceiling? I don't know. I, I haven't seen it yet. I've seen videos online of it. It looks cool. Like I, it's one of those things of like I would sit there and go, "Yeah, I'd love to go see a concert there." I think that'd yes. be cool to see a concert there and, and what it would look like. But um, I mean, look, it's very clear that this is a major initiative for Dana White. It, there, you know, the fact that he keeps mentioning it tells you they're going to do it. Um, you know, and, and probably going to be Mexican Independence Day next year. 
it goes to show you. Oh man, I don't even know if I should say this because I'm scared. If I say this, I won't ever be allowed at Madison Square Garden again. They're gonna like maybe if I say it by covering my face, they won't scan my face. But the spear is like it shows you if you're a terrible owner. If you make a really cool arena, it can change your reputation. I mean, the spear has been the best thing to happen to James Dolan in a very long time. I don't know, dude. I don't know. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, James Dolan, genius. You know, and he he goes from, I mean, he still is, you know, uh, a controversial Knicks owner. That'll never go away. You know, banning Patrick Ewing from his building for a little bit. Uh, Wait, that wasn't Patrick Ewing. Charles Oakley. Charles, Charles Oakley. Oakley, I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize for that error. Um, but yeah, getting in a fight with Charles Oakley, uh, never going to forget that. But he did come up with a really cool concept. But again, it's like, yes, I would love to go and watch a movie there. But I'm interested to see if that makes the experience any better watching at home. Like, am I going to enjoy that? I don't know. Uh, but uh, I know Dana White will. People love the sphere. People love the future. I mean, we, we grew up in a day and age where you, if you, especially if you were born in the 80s or 90s, you saw so much progress from the phone to the iPhone that we are just as a society obsessed with the future. We're like, oh, this is going to be the next big thing. NFTs are going to be the next big thing. Artificial intelligence going to be the next iPhone. And I mean, yeah, we probably will have some crazy advancements in technology. But maybe like the iPhone is just the coolest thing we're going to have in our lives. You know, you know, maybe there's just one really cool invention that really changed things and we're just kind of be chilling. But yeah, everyone's so obsessed with like, oh, the 3D television is going to forever change. Yes, something will happen that will eventually forever change how we consume things. But I feel like as a society, we are obsessed with the future and what's next and how things will change. Oh, no. I mean, look, I grew up in an era where. First off, we actually had a phone on the wall that had a cord attached to it. Also, if someone was on the internet, uh, you couldn't make a phone call because <laughs> you actually had dial-up service. Like, I feel like if I went into like a high school today and said, "Hey, did you ever have to do dial-up service on America Online?" No way they know what that means. Yeah, yeah, there's no way. It's crazy. DVDs. I mean, Netflix just stopped recently doing the dvd service believe it or not they were still doing that yeah yeah who the hell was still getting that (laughs) apparently in the new york times article i read there was somebody in antarctica that was really enjoying it they said it would take a while but uh (laughs) broadband didn't work so people were still doing it one of the points in the article was like some people liked that there was just they could set a queue and it would just come in order and they weren't overwhelmed with choices but uh, yeah, some people start. Dude, you know. I I have all these streaming services. It is overwhelming when you're trying to sit there and figure out what you want to do here. But they should really bundle it all together and maybe sell it for like seventy dollars a year. I don't know. Here's here's one other point I want to make real quick. This is just my soapbox. This is the segment we do every week where it's Daniel listens to the Joe Rogan podcast and there's something that is driving him nuts from it, and he just wants to mention it. Firstly, I do enjoy the Joe Rogan podcast. I got to be honest with you. It's pretty good. I don't agree with a lot of what Joe has to say about like neck surgery and just other random topics. Um, you know, just re- like, like, uh, yeah, anyways, I digress. But I was listening to his podcast with Elon Musk. Here's my point. 
Elon Musk is really smart at several things, but that doesn't mean he is smart at all things. So he was in this podcast and he was talking about his hypothetical fight with Mark Zuckerberg. And I don't know if he was joking, but he was basically talking about like, yes, I'm going to use the walrus technique and I am because I'm so much bigger. I'm just going to be on top. And this is the point I was making at. He was this guy who's on this podcast with Joe Rogan, a, a martial arts expert, and he's arguing with Joe that a person who is bigger can basically beat most people that are smaller in martial arts or in a fight. And Joe's kind of pushing back on it, but because Elon Musk is Elon Musk, he kind of lets him win the discussion. Yeah. But it's like we established this that UFC won. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so it's like sometimes if you are so smart, Okay, let me die, let me retract that. If you are so successful and so famous, you can just say things and people won't push back on you. Elon's opinion about size and how important it matters in fights is is case. In, if you are just successful, people Joe Rogan himself is just kind of eventually conceding the point. Yeah, and, and yeah, size does play a role. There are weight classes, mm-hmm. but if you don't know what you're doing. And you go against a blue belt, the blue belt will kill you. Yeah. So I just had to get that off my chest. I had to get that off my chest. You're not wrong. You are not wrong. Hopefully, we're right here in our best bets for UFC 295. So I'm going to be so dead wrong. I'm going to be so dead wrong. Let's let's lose some people some money. So I will say this right now: uh, all of mine are prop bets. Um, I'm, I've got three plus. I'm going to give a fourth as an honorable mention. Uh, number one, I'm going to go, my first two are both for these fires to win via decision. I'm going to go Pat Sabatini wins via decision at plus 275. Lupo Godinez wins via decision at plus 110. And then my third one, which he has not shown, uh, he has not got a stoppage win in the UFC, and his opponent has only lost by a decision in his career, but I think Jamal Emers wins inside the distance, plus 250. And my bonus pick for you, Daniel, Alex Bahia wins via TKO KO, plus 110. I like it. I like it a lot. These are some good picks. I have two serious picks and one that's not very serious. Serious pick. I like the plus odds for under one and a half rounds between Pereira and Prochaska. You know, okay. Yuri and Alex are incredibly tough, but, bro, the offensive firepower both these big men possess. These guys have nuclear power. I, I'm going under one and a half rounds. I'm going. This fight finishes in the first in the first round. The other prop bet I like. I do think this fight hits the ground, and I do think she has a big advantage. I like Duran via submission at plus one twenty to win that fight. Now the goofy fight. The goofy the goofy bet. Diego Lopez Pat Sabatini. I'm going Lopez via decision, but I'm going to go with a split decision. What what dumbass pit predicts a split decision? There's no logic for a split decision. I'm basically saying one judge is going to get it wrong. But I think we're going to have a couple rounds where maybe Sabatini positionally is doing better, but Diego Lopez does better with the strikes and maybe a submission attempt, and we're going to have a dispute. So I'm going to go Diego Lopez be a split decision. I am not only predicting that one guy will win in a particular way, but one judge will get the scorecard wrong. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you this. Actually, here in our home state of Florida, my home state of Florida, uh, sports betting is currently live as a Hard Rock put their uh, app live here the other day. So uh, if you are in the state of Florida, you can hop on that Hard Rock app and, and make some bets on, on the fights. Um, something I want to mention before you get out of here. Something happened four years ago today that I was not aware of until I saw it on my Facebook feed earlier today. Today marks the four-year anniversary of the last time we have seen Zabit Magomed Sharapov inside MMA competition. Wow. I was thinking about him, and I don't know why I was thinking about him. It's because somebody was making a comeback, and I was basically thinking, like, who were some of the guys we wish would come back? And he was one of those names. Dude, you, you know how you you t- you talk about where kind of where we want to go with the podcast of coming up with these you know different topics out there, like the biggest what ifs, like what ifs a beat Mario Sharapov doesn't essentially retire, you know you know because I remember going to that Calvin Kayer fight, the Calvin Kayer team was trying to force that to be a five round fight. Zabit and his team didn't want it to be a five round fight. It ends up being a three round fight. It's a five round fight. I think Calvin Kayer is going to win that fight because he was coming on that third round and Zabit was slowing down. Like we talk about the biggest what ifs in MMA history. Zabit Magomed Sharapov is a guy that clearly would have to be in that discussion. Yeah, because like you look at his UFC career and there's not a single blemish. He looked amazing and was a great striker, solid grappler, undefeated in the UFC. Could he have been a champion? There's no telling. I think my gut instinct, no. I don't think he wins the featherweight championship. But he had that shot. He had that real opportunity. So that's a big what if, no doubt about it. And that could be a fun little segment we could do is try and stump each other with different what ifs. And I think I'll end – my last random thing is big. Here's a big recommendation. I'm going to look up the title of it if I can find it. But the UFC, and they had done this for a, a while, but they did a phenomenal roundtable with uh, fighters from UFC 1 that was released earlier this week on their YouTube channel. Had Hoist Gracie, Gerard, Taylor Tooley, Ken Shamrock, and Hoist almost got in a fight, basically. Not really, but they got mad at each other t- recalling something. But it's called the Legends of UFC One, Fighters of the Roundtable, and uh, I can't recommend that enough. It's great nostalgic content right now. It only has one hundred fifty-five thousand views on YouTube. Sign me up for more type of content like that. It was it's a great great video. So I found this article from two thousand eleven. Seventeen of the biggest what ifs in MMA history. So I mean, this is article is what thirteen years old at this point, twelve years old. What if Hoist Gracie never won UFC 1 and 2? That's a good one. If, you, if Hoist didn't win UFC 1, Hickson would have been in UFC 2. That's what would have happened. Spike TV didn't like the concept of the ultimate fighter. Oh, man, that's a good one. I don't know. UFC Dude, there, there, are some, there are some great ones. Chuck Liddell and Vanderlei Silva fought in their primes. Yeah. I think I, the problem Here's is I think – like, I remember the heyday of Chuck Liddell. Like, he was Conor McGregor. Like, I mean, and then it just, of course, it, it never, it, it just went downhill. Here's, um, here's one for you. Here's one for you. It might be on the list. What if Josh Barnett didn't pull out, didn't get, like, suspended for that fatal fight at Affliction? 
that basically killed the affliction promotion. There is a Josh Barnett, but the Barnett one is uh, Josh Barnett. Did it get popped for steroids post UFC 36? <laughs> so you could do multiple. What if Josh Barnett didn't get popped for steroids once? Well, what if Fedor ever went to the UFC? And that's on this list. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. What if Mark Kerr never left the UFC? You know, would he be uh, there? Okay, there. Number sixteen is Mark Kerr had won his battle against painkillers. That too. I mean, that either one, either the painkiller one, or if he didn't go to Pride, what would his legacy be like? There's oh, another, honestly going to Pride was bet was good for him. I there's think. two that really stick out to me on this one. Brock Lesnar went the straight to MMA after college. And, That's a good one. And also, what if Brock never gets the disease? And, and you know, um, I, I, I hate to mispronounce it. Uh, diverticulitis? I may have said that wrong. But yeah, what, what if correct, that doesn't happen? I, and I'll give you, I'll give you a, another one I saw here, and I think it's a very good one. It's number seven on this list. Shell Sonny didn't get caught in the triangle choke. How I different know. is the Anderson Silva run if that doesn't happen? That is a good one. Like that you talk about some of the greatest moments in UFC and MMA history, Anderson Silva choking him out in the fifth round after he'd been dominated for four rounds. That is one of the biggest things that happened in the sports history. Yeah. What if, yeah, what would Chael look like as a middleweight champion, right? Um, what if uh, Lee Murray never, you know, got arrested? This was a high quality guy, gave Anderson Silva a quality fight in 2004. You know, another one I think of, and really it's not so much about the MMA career because he was in the back end of his career, but, I mean, you know, Evan Tanner's death in 2008 was such a shock and a very sad situation. He was an active UFC fighter at the time. And, uh, I, yeah, that's I found I found another list. This this is a this was one that was posted in 2022. Um, th- this list had this one, too. Uh, Ken, Shark, Ken Shamrock never left the UFC. How about this one? And it really affects Michael Bisming. Chris Weidman fought at UFC 199. Yeah, that's a good one. Damn. There's a lot of those fight cancellations where it's just like it'll never be the same. Yeah, I mean, some of the, some of these are on the list. I mean, um, like it's like what if uh, Connor never fought Floyd Mayweather? Uh, whatever. But here, one that's good one. What if we would have got Habib versus Tony Ferguson both in their primes? I don't think the universe would have been able to. Yeah, what if Tony beat Habib? You know, would Habib still be fighting today? I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's so, that's a it's, a it's it's a good concept. We may have burnt through twenty topics. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I still gotta say, I think I think Fedor has to be the biggest what if in MMA history. What if Fedor came to the UFC? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's the one that's gonna keep me up at night for sure. I mean, the other one is what if Hickson competed more often in mixed martial arts? Hickson Gracie is a big one. It's, you know, a very mythical creature that we discuss about in terms of you know being an absolute badass. What if Pride never folds? What if Strike Force never sells? What yeah, if WC isn't folded into the UFC? Yeah, so many like that. That to me, because um, and by the way, Bloody Elbow has just been 
killing it with this coverage of the, of the antitrust stuff. And I saw a thing on Twitter the other day where it was talking about basically of kind of how the strike force sell kind of happened. And, and it does make you wonder, especially with how you see the way things have gone with Bellator and, and, and with Scott Coker and, you know, we'll, we'll see if, if Scott Coker ultimately stays in the, in the MMA industry. But like, I mean, people forget, man, that strike force roster was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so many of those guys end up becoming top top tier UFC fighters. I, By the way, yeah. I know uh, there was something you'd mentioned to me last night. Um, I, had, I had not looked it up. We got what's it? Game bread six this weekend. Yeah, it's like a stacked car when it comes to names. You know, you, you look at that card, and it's you know Hector Lombard is just randomly on that card. Bare knuckle mixed martial arts. So this is the card, the main event, big country. Roy Nelson against Allen, the talent belcher. You have Alex Nicholson on the card. Jason Knight versus Randy Costa. Curtis Millinder's fighting there. Francisco Trinaldo, Hector Lombard. It's Chase Sherman. A lot of names that people would recognize competing in bare-knuckle mixed martial arts. Yeah, Jason Knight, uh, Randy Costa, two former UFC fighters. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk that maybe Jason Knight was going to get back into the UFC uh, after well, I will say this, uh, that... They pay really well at Gamebred FC. <laughs> Let me just say that. I have seen some things on social media, uh, especially on Facebook, when they're looking for fighters to step up. They're paying really well for, if you want to say, quote-unquote, regional MMA. Wow. Yeah, I mean, if, the, if, if, if Hector Lombard's taking a random fight, they probably are paying well. How so, old is Hector Lombard at this point? I'm going to guess 46. I was going to say low in 43. Uh, but you're probably right on the 46 year. He is 45 years old. When does he turn four? He turns 46. They don't uh, even have his, his birthday. Oh, February 2nd. So he turns 46 coming up this. Uh, man, Fe- February will be here before you know it, man. <laughs> February will be here uh, before you know it. We'll be digging into some turkey before you know it, my man. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Tur- yeah. Yeah. You got Turkey Day, what? Two weeks from, t- two weeks from today? Yeah, dude. It, it things have just been going so quick since we got to October. I know, man. This this year has completely flown by. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, man, like we're halfway through the NFL season. What the hell? It feels like it just started, bro. I know, I know. I yeah. was I was looking at it. I was looking at my calendar. I was like, oh man, well, we only have four more home games left. Dude, that's crazy, bro. Yeah, we're, we're yeah we're, we're yeah we're home this weekend, but then we go on a stretch where well this has been a stretch of four out of five weeks on the road. Uh, go to uh, San Fran next week, um, and then it's Indianapolis the following week, and then uh, two weeks after Indianapolis, Green Bay. God knows how cold it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so yeah, get your turtleneck sweater out, buddy. Oof, yeah. The, the one the one great thing because I work up in the booth. In our broadcast, the broadcast booth in Green Bay, the windows do not open. Oh my gosh, that is nuts. Which does me, I, I, I will say this though, from a broadcasting aspect, I want the windows to be open because it, it just it sounds better. You hear the crowd noise, that makes a lot of sense. Well, well, also, you get the the echoiness of your play by play and color commentators' mics in the booth. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know. You're going to get cold, but that, that, that was, uh, it was, God, I think this was like in 2015 where, so in, uh, the commander stadium, uh, at Fed, I'm not sure if it's still FedEx field or something else. So the windows, like in most stadiums, the windows either, you know, roll up or, you know, to the side, 
they have to physically, like, literally put clamps on them and take the windows out. And so wow. we're setting up the booth, and I see one of the workers, and I go, hey, man, um, we need to get the uh, windows taken out. He goes, you're from Florida, right? I go, yeah. He goes, you know it's cold. I go, yeah, take the windows out. <laughs> And the guy was looking like I'm crazy. I'm like, no, this is so our broadcast sounds better. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't like it's not for my personal well being, it's for the broadcast. No, <laughs> there, there I would say this though, there are some booths where literally where I stand, the AC vent will be right on top of me. Like I remember we did a game in New England. It's like early in the season. I've got a hoodie on because I know how cold I'll be during the game. Yeah, you're looking like <laughs> Bill Belichick up there in the booth. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not cutting off the sleeves. Come on, man. Show those guns. Uh, no, no one wants to see that, man. No one wants yeah. to see that. No one yeah. wants to see that. Trust me. So, uh, by the way, we did mention that you're you're back in, in training. So, uh, we got our next um, uh, wrestling match scheduled yet? Uh, I have um, like street fight in December. So. A street fight? Wow, you you you're you're really. I mean, it's you're stepping up. And then come back and just immediately get injured. Uh, <laughs> No, Street Fight December still can't open my finger all the way, but the cut is almost healed, so that's all that matters. I'm just gonna have to hit people in my left hand. Uh, but yeah, you know, working my way back in into shape, trying to stretch my finger out. It's not really going, but whatever. I'm gonna hit people with chairs. December second. Yeah, that's, awesome. that's that's the first date. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we'll be looking forward to that. Of course, as always, appreciate everyone tuning in for the podcast. Of course, a new podcast come out every Wednesday or Thursday week. Just kind of depends on myself and Daniel's schedule. So as always, we appreciate tuning in the podcast. And we'll be back here next week talking about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts.